somewhere like here. How's everyone doing today? Good. I'm still pretty exhausted from our New Year's party. So, have a little grace. <laughs> uh, so today, we are going to be taking a look at Acts 2.42. Um, most of you may recall, uh, Pastor Brad actually preached on Acts 2, I think, 42 through 47, shortly after he got here, I believe last, maybe February or so. Two years ago? Wow, you've been here that long. Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, the beauty of the Bible and something that I consider and I, I teach the students and I'm learning myself uh, is that it is the living, breathing word of God. Uh, there are going to be times where you dig into the scripture um, and find something new every time. Uh, you can read John 3.16 today and a month from now and get something completely different out of it. That is what we call the Holy Spirit working in you to discern what the Bible has to say. Uh, so today we're going to be, as I mentioned, Acts 2.42. This is shortly after uh, Peter's, actually it's immediately after sermons, Peter's sermon uh, of Pentecost where 3,000 people came to Christ. Um, first of all, before I get started, Happy New Year. <laughs> um, with the new year, there are statistics that come out every single year about the, the, the health of the church, the life of the church. Um, this past year, over 4,000 churches closed their doors. And you kind of ask why. Well, today we're going to break down how we won't become one of those churches and how uh, you can bring this wherever you go. Uh, because these are biblical truths. These are things that we find in the living word of God that you can take with you wherever you go. Um, so let's go ahead and read uh, Acts 2.42. It's short, um, so this is a good memory verse if you are doing that. Acts 2.42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching in the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. That's all it says. That's it. Let's pray before we go ahead and get started. Our gracious Heavenly Father, again, I want to thank you for this opportunity to gather together to have the youth group minister in this way. We're so grateful for the opportunity for us to use the gifts that you've given us to minister to the people of your church, Lord. I pray that you would use me somehow today. Speak through me. Let it be your words coming, not mine, that that your message would get across, that, that we need to dwell on you and to spend time with you and each other, Lord. Um, be with us today. Nice to sing you something. All right. So, it's a common fact that nine out of every ten households in America has a Bible. I'm sure every single one of you, I really hope, that every single one of you, when you go home today, have a Bible. Um, maybe it's on your bookshelf. Maybe it's on your desk. Who knows? I, for one have probably 15 just in my office downstairs. Uh, it's good to have different versions so you can get different uh, viewpoints of it. But um, Somebody once said that if everybody, every single person in America opened their Bibles on the same day, at the same time, we'd have the biggest dust storm ever recorded. How sad is that? I'm, I'm not wrong. I mean, how sad is that? that, that I mean, more than likely, I'm not going to say more than likely. That's not very nice, but th there are probably some here who have a Bible that you probably haven't 
touched in a while. Maybe not here, but out in the world. Um, especially if eight out of ten people have a Bible. How many of those people are reading them? Uh, most families just use them to record births, record deaths, marriages. Very few of them have actually read the Bible. According to the Gallup organization, one-third of Americans uh, don't know who gave the Sermon on the Mount. That's obviously problematic. He's the reason we're here, in case you didn't know. It's Jesus. Uh, in fact, the majority of them said that it was Billy Graham. <laughs> now, I know Billy Graham was pretty, pretty old when he died, but he wasn't that old. Um, fewer than half of those same people could even name the first book of the Bible. The Gallup organization says that Americans revere the Bible. We say that the Bible is the Word of God, but very few of us actually read it. Um, another survey said that uh, they, they interviewed a bunch of Christians, and they asked them some of the most well-known verses of these people. Uh, most of them said John 3.16. You know, that's one we learned growing up. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, etc. <laughs> that was a bad example, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, however, the other verse that they give as an example is, God helps those who help themselves. Um, I don't know how many of you know the Bible very well, but that's not in it. That's actually something Ben Franklin said. So that's not even in there. This leads to the first point today. Uh, I see that the screen's off, but maybe it's not just that one. All right, don't worry. I have it all down here. Uh, we need to be devoted to strong biblical teaching. Uh, again, you're going to see the same verse up there over and over again. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, some who look at this portion question what this really means. They see they, they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, the apostles were just humans. But who did they just spend three years traveling Judea with? Jesus. Meaning that what they are teaching comes from Christ himself. And if Christ is part of the Godhead, then that's God's teaching. We need to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the teaching of God himself. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate on it both day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Uh, one of the things in the Jewish community, I actually grew up with a friend who was uh, Jewish. I got, I got the opportunity to celebrate one night of Hanukkah with him and his family. It was really interesting. Uh, I think I was like seven or eight, if that's right there. Um, his name was Simon Wexler. He, uh, one of the, the customs, he had an older brother who was just about to turn 13. One of the things that they need to do is recite the Torah. They need to know what it says, and to become a man, you have to recite it. Um, we should have that same mindset where we are dwelling in the book of God so that we can use it whenever we need to. Uh, how are you going to share your faith if you don't know what your faith is? And how are you going to know what your faith is if you're not reading the Bible to what God is telling you? Um, Matthew 4.4 4 said, it is, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is when Jesus is in the desert being tempted by Satan. And he, what does he fall back on? He's Jesus. He can snap his fingers and he's gone. But he's Jesus and he uses the most sufficient thing that he has, the word of God. We need to do likewise in our daily lives. This is truth. 
this is, if this is the inerrant word of God, it's, it's infallible. Nothing in it is wrong. Uh, we just did a study this summer on our bike trip, and I actually had the students teach. It was awesome. I, I got to take a break. <laughs> uh, we did, I think, four or five lessons on the faithfulness of God. Um, God's faithfulness and his forgiveness. Uh, God's faithfulness just throughout Scripture. Um, one thing that we found out by the end of the trip is God's never said something, and then that something not happened. When he says something, it happens, period. Because he's God, he can do no wrong at all. <clears throat> uh, we should strive to be in the Word every single day. I remember we were meeting in Brad's office, uh, Jared, our intern, who is still enjoying his family up north, it appears. Um, I do miss him, though. Uh, Brad, Jared, and I, I think we were then either in his office or we were in the, uh, probably Culver's. <laughs> it's usually Culver's. And we were talking, and Jared said something that um, I, I got a little jealous, honestly. Because he said, yeah, I know, we're not all perfect. Uh, and he said, uh, he would rather go a day without food than go a day without reading his Bible. That's how we all need to be. Because that's how the Bible tells us we need to be. You should, you should strive to be in this book every single day. Um, I can't remember what theologian it was, but he said, uh, you can visit a lot of other books, but you need to live in the Bible. Do you remember who that was, Brad? He didn't see me either. Like I said, no one's perfect. <laughs> uh, it's funny, when I, when I first started... Um, reading a systematic theology book. I was down at Skye's grandmother's house, and she said, isn't it crazy how the more you read the Bible, the more you want to read your Bible? The more that you open this book and read the things, the truths that are in it, the more hard it is to stop doing it. That's where we need to be. We need to be in the Word every single day. Uh, it, it also makes me think of another example. Um, my sister had a friend when she was in youth group. Uh, his name was Scott. Uh, he was, I don't remember how old he was, probably like 24, 21. No, he was only 21. He was a police officer in Matawan, a uh, young Christian. He, he had only been a Christian probably for a few years. And uh, when he was on, when he was working, he was on pursuit or in pursuit of a guy who had just, honestly, I don't remember the details, but they were going very, very fast. He was in pursuit. The guy was fleeing. Down a road in Madawan, curved, hit a tree, and ended up passing away. 21 years old. And we went to his funeral at Calvary, and he, uh, he had a friend come up and speak, a fellow police officer, I believe. And he mentioned that he took Scott hunting one time. And they were in the cabins, and he woke up what he thought was earlier than Scott, went over, and this guy's been a Christian for 30 years, so he's like, you know, not that he's got it all together or anything, but he went over to wake Scott up, and Scott is already at the table reading his Bible. Uh, that's who we need to be. We need to be, I, I, I'm not saying this in a way that I struggle daily. Ask my wife. I sometimes can't even wake up. You should have seen me this morning. <laughs> in my defense, we did just have an overnight the other night. Uh, but we need to be people who, who make it our priority for the first thing that we do every day to spend time in God's Word, to spend time with Him in fellowship with God through reading the Bible. 
<clears throat> my, I, my goal, my goal in life is to strive to be like Scott or like Jared and, and hate it when I miss a day in God's word. Um, second point is uh, studying scripture protects us from twisting the truth. Uh, Sky told me I need to be nice. <laughs> so I'm going to try. Although it's already written. It's already scripted. I have to read it. <clears throat> uh, 2 Peter 3, 15 through 16 says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destructive as they do the other scriptures. I don't know how many times you've read an article or watched a video online and someone has quoted the Bible completely out of context. Uh, I, I just took a class at Moody that was completely about biblical context, interpreting the New Testament, interpreting the Old Testament. And it was all about understanding the context of the scripture. You can't get it right if you don't get the context right. Um, uh, I promise you, these kids down here are absolutely sick and tired of me talking about this. But it's that important. Um, if you turn on the radio station anytime, you're going to hear really good, catchy music, right? Elevation, Bethel. I can actually hear Jeff's eyes rolling. <laughs> uh, um, Hillsong. Each of these churches have stated that they use their music as a way to bring people into their, into their followings. Um, however, the pastors at some of these churches teach some pretty twisted views of the Bible. My, my job, my job as the youth pastor at Oakwood Bible Church is to teach these kids to know truth and to see when there is a false teacher, someone twisting the word to benefit themselves. Um, you know, there's grape soaking is not a thing. You all know this. I don't know if you know what that is. It's where you find someone, uh, their grave, someone who's been anointed, I think of Billy Graham immediately, and you go lie on their grave and you you don't actually, but you soak some of the anointing off of their dead body. One of the very big churches in America teaches this. And you hear their songs on the radio every single day. I promise. You, if you listen to any Christian station, you hear their songs. Um, there's another church with a big popular Christian band that um, believes that if you ever get sick, it's because your faith in God wasn't strong enough. Uh, prosperity gospel. All of these different things. Um, we have churches in our own backyard that, that uh, don't teach the Bible. I've had students come here saying they went to another church, and that church, they were uncomfortable because the Bible was never opened, and there was no biblical teaching, so they didn't go back. Um, like I said, it's my job so, to, to make sure that these students understand these things. Uh, we need to protect them from wolves in sheep's clothing. And I pray that they're learning a little bit of discernment, but how are you going to understand what's truth and what's not truth if you're not in the Word of God every single day? Uh, the answer is you're just not going to. <clears throat> I have pages that are out of order. 
I just realized before I started, so a little grace would be appreciated. Um, point B, studying scriptures allows us to teach the scriptures. Uh, there are quite a few parents here, right? I mean, I, I look around and I know everybody, so pretty much everyone but you guys are parents. Um, I was blessed enough to, I, I have a history of Christianity in my family going back, I actually don't know, probably three, at least three generations. Uh, I've been blessed to have that, to have parents who've taught me the things of God. Um, the only way they know those things is by learning them for themselves. We're called into ministry. Not just Brad and myself, because we're pastors. Each and every one of us are called into ministry by living our lives out in the world. We are called to be examples of what Christ is like. We're called to teach the things of God to every single person we run across in our lives. Most importantly, in my mind, your own children. Second um, Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. If you ever want to know what God has to say, all you have to do is open the Bible. Uh, if I have one more person come up to me and say, I haven't heard from God in a while, I'm just going to hit them with the Bible. Not actually, but this, it's, right, it's right here. If you want to hear from God, it's here. Uh, spoilers, I'm going to share something I'm going to share in a few minutes, but uh, when you pray, that's you talking to God. When you read your Bible, that's God talking to you. All right? You can't do one and not do the other. And as you're reading this, you understand that because it's written throughout it. Um, reading the Bible is important so that you can understand the things that God says, so that you can accurately teach the things of God to the people of God and potential people of God. <clears throat> All of these words are profitable for, profitable for teaching. We're never going to skip over a section. Uh, Brad is currently teaching Revelation to the Joy Group. That's a tough one. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever read it. It's tough. Thankfully, Brad has the training and experience enough to understand it and to be able to share it. There are going to be times where both Brad and myself, maybe we don't have an answer. We'll let you know because that's what we're called to do. I'm not going to lie to you and make something up. That's deceitful. Um, you're never going to find him skip over something because he's not sure because it's going to cause controversy. He's always going to teach what it says because it's the word of God and you need to hear it. Same, hopefully that's the same for me with you guys. I'm never going to skip over something. I'm always going to teach you what the Bible says because what the Bible says is what you need to hear. <clears throat> now, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. We just finished going through Hebrews this past summer with the youth group. Uh, it was pretty fun. This part was really fun because... Uh, I read this in an interesting way. Uh, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. This is essentially the author um, of Hebrews saying, you guys are like babies, Christian babies. And I have to spoon-feed this to you because you won't look into it yourselves. Um, that's not something that needs to be happening. You guys need to be digging in 
I say you guys, we. We need to be digging into this stuff on our own. Turn the page. <clears throat> Point two. We need to be devoted to Christian fellowship. You know, I have a book, and I left it on my desk at home, that I was going to read a little piece of. Uh, it's called Multiply by Francis Chan. We went through it probably two years ago now. Uh, it's fantastic. There's a whole chapter on, on you and how your life in the church should be. And essentially it says, uh, it's, it's, I know the Bible says in Genesis it's not good for man to be alone. Um, I know that that's in reference to a husband and a wife, but I take that in reference to your everyday life. It's not good to go live in isolation from the church of God. You need fellowship for a lot of different reasons. Uh, this is taking place just after the Sermon on the Mount. 3,000 people just got saved one verse before 242. Um, and they're all living in fellowship with each other. There's a lot more to it in, in the last section of Acts chapter 2. We're focusing on this, but they live in, in a really good community where they have everything in common. They're selling things so that their friends can afford to live. Uh, this is the way that the church should be every single day. <clears throat> uh, Christian fellowship. Notice I said Christian fellowship. I think that is a key word in all of this. Uh, this doesn't just mean go hang out with your friends at the bar or go to the casino with your cousins. Uh, Christian fellowship. Why? Why Christian fellowship? Well, 1 Corinthians, this isn't going to be on the screen. Sorry, Jeff. 1 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Now, that's typically quoted when it comes to marriage. Uh, it fits in friendships, too. Guys, I had a friend growing up. I tried the whole missionary friendshipping thing. I know that's not what it is. It's usually missionary dating. Tried that, too. Don't do it. Uh, missionary friendship thing where, oh, I'll be a light in his life, and I'll be able to help bring him to Christ and bring the truths that he needs to hear. Uh, well, guess what? It worked out the opposite way. He dragged me down. I didn't pull him up. And I suffered. My, my walk with Christ suffered for years. Don't try it. It's not going to turn out well. You need to find good Christian fellowship. You need to spend time uh, with these people, your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I've been really blessed. Canaan uh, and I went out for coffee a few weeks ago. And uh, uh, even before that, Jared and I going out, or Jeff or Brad, whoever it may be, you know, growing up, I never had, I mean, I had Christian friends within the church, but outside of them, I typically spent time with friends from school. And uh, for the first time in the last probably seven, eight months, maybe last year, I've actually had Christian fellowship where I've been able to discuss spiritual things. And it's been really cool. I don't think I've had a more fun conversation than when Canaan and I went out for coffee and got to just talk about the Bible for an hour. It was awesome, uh, which is what God intends for us in our relationships with one another, to spend time speaking about spiritual things with each other and speaking about God and what he's done in your life and how he's working. It's awesome to see that, to see how God works in each other's lives. <clears throat> Turn the page. 
<clears throat> uh, another passage, and again, I had this written down, and somehow I didn't end it. It didn't end up in my final cut. But Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, most of you are going to know this: Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Uh, Christian men are going to have a good influence on Christian men. Same with women. A Christian man is probably going to have a little bit of a good influence on a non-Christian man. But I hate to say it, probably more so the other way around. And I say that from experience. It's not, obviously my experience isn't like, it's this way and no other way exists. But in my experience, I'm going to get closer to God by spending time with his people who follow his statutes and his laws. It's just easier that way. <clears throat> so find people, you guys down here, look around you, hang out with each other. It will benefit you forever, I promise. I didn't, and somehow I'm here. <laughs> I don't know, grace of God, I guess. All right, second point today. <clears throat> Sorry, the next point. Uh, fellowship gives us a picture of God. Uh, this one's pretty cool, I think. Um, Romans 12, 4 through 6. For as in one body we have many members, and as the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, and uh, hold on, I gotta try and read that word, appropriation to our faith. Again, tired. So, an example of this, I don't have the gift of playing the drums. Braden has the gift of playing the drums. So what did we see him doing this morning? Playing the drums to worship God. Liz, on guitar. Guys, I'm good at Guitar Hero. I'm not good at guitar. <laughs> and they don't, they, they don't mix. They're not the same thing. I promise. I've tried. It's not good. All of these people and all of you have different gifts. And together, we form the body of Christ. And we do different things. Any of you remember that Casting Crown song back in their first album? We are the body. If we are the body, why aren't his feet moving? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? Different people have different gifts. And together, we form the body of Christ, ministering to those around us. That's what we need to be doing today. Spending time in fellowship so we know how to better utilize. Guys, we had practice, believe it or not. The The... They had practice, and that's how they know how to do all the music together. Um, by meeting together and doing it, that wouldn't have happened. I thought they sounded great. I'm actually really unbelievably thankful for these guys. They, they've been awesome. I mean, they, we were going to have our overnight last night. Uh, you're welcome for that not happening. <laughs> that would have been a disaster. You think I'm stumbling now. Whew. <laughs> Uh, if we're the body, we need to work together just like my thumb and my finger work together to hold this clicker up. To form unity, we need to spend time in fellowship with one another. Our relationships with each other are meant to mirror the relationship between the Godhead, between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They're three in one. We're... I won't count all of you. Probably about 150, but we're one body of Christ. <clears throat> My second point, fellowship provides us encouragement. 
Uh, this is another really important detail, I think. And this is where my notes get messed up. So bear with me. Um, we need to encourage each other. We are called to bear each other's burdens. Um, you, you kids here, look around you. All of these people, I know, you're going through difficulties, right? You, you guys have problems. You have um, the influence of the world on you every single day. Uh, you have, uh, you're trying to get through school, trying to get through boys and girls, dating, all that fun stuff. Sorry, don't blush. Um, but if you look around you, you have a room full of people who've been there, who've done that, who can encourage you. Uh, they've successfully done that. I'm going to try and pull my notes up on my phone while I talk. Um, so you need to look to these people for help because they are going to be able to provide that for you. <clears throat> uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us cons consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of, son, of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near us. Um, that's straight out of the Bible, guys. We need to be spending time with each other, encouraging each other. We all have issues. We all go through really difficult times. Uh, the beauty of it is that you're not the only one who's gone through that. We've all lost loved ones. Um, we've all gone through struggles in our relationships, whether it's with a child, a spouse, a parent, whatever it may be. Each and every one of you, more than likely, has gone through something like that. And we need to look to each other to encourage each other. <clears throat> all right, give me one second. I'm so sorry. I had these all in order, and then I cut it into pieces and just went all over the place. Um, all right, next slide, please, Jeff. I'm going to go without him. Uh, we need to be devoted to fellowship with Christ. This is important. There are so many different ways to be in fellowship with God, to be in fellowship with Christ. Um, the breaking of bread. We do this once a month here at Oakwood. And I'm thankful that we're at a, at a place that does that. Um, <clears throat> uh, Jeff, can you pull up the verse there? Again, I'm sorry. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I can't count how many times I've run across people who, uh, I, you know, somehow the topic of Christianity comes up, and they, uh, they say, oh, I don't, I don't need all of that Bible stuff. I love Jesus. Cool. What, what did I just read? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This really goes hand in hand with the first point of, of all of this. How do you know his commandments if you're not in the word? You, you can't possibly. So we need to be in the Bible. We need to understand what Christ is telling us, and we need to then follow those commandments, and then we'll be able to uh, obey him and show his, our love for him in that way. <clears throat> All right, uh, the next verse is going to be Luke 22, 19. Uh, 
Some of you will recognize this. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you've, already, or if you've ever partaken in communion, you'll recognize that. It's typically said every time we partake in communion. Um, we are to abide in Christ through communion. Again, I just said, if you love, that he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is a commandment. We are to partake in communion. We are to abide in Christ through communion. What do you do during communion? Well, it's not just snack time. Just so you know. It's not grape juice and bread day uh, in the cafeteria of Oakwood. It's, uh, it's a time for you to, first of all, have communion with each other. That's why we're here right now. More importantly, it's for you to have communion with Christ. It's for you to, to dwell on him and to dwell on yourself and your relationship with him. To figure out what it is that you're doing wrong and how you can do it better for him. How your relationship with him is and how you can make it better. Uh, we need to focus on that. <clears throat> Jeff, can you go to the next slide? My wife's ringing my laptop, so I'll have my notes. Thank you, dear. I love you. Appreciate it. <clears throat> All right, so John 15, 4 through 5. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, so what this is telling us is that, uh, I, I don't know how many of you farm grapes. No? You know how trees work? <laughs> Jesus is the trunk. We are the branches. It's an easier way. Again, context. He's speaking to people in Israel. They know a lot about farming and about grapes. That's why he uses this metaphor. You, wouldn't, you, you have to understand the context in order to get that that's, um, that's what that says. Oh, hey, I found my spot. <clears throat> How can we abide in Christ? Prayer, being in his word, communion. <clears throat> How can you expect to have fruit in your own lives if you aren't abiding in Christ? Anybody? You can't. The answer is you can't. Um, to abide in Christ means that we need to read our Bibles daily. We need to be in the word of God. We need to understand what he's trying to teach us in our lives. We need to listen to mom and dad. We need to listen to our professors, our teachers, whatever it may be. Um, uh, we need to spend time in Christian fellowship with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to have fellowship with Christ through communion. Uh, my fourth point is that we need to be devoted <coughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> to prayer. This could be a whole sermon on its own, by the way, uh, the importance of prayer. I didn't have enough uh, memory on my computer to put all of the uh, examples of prayer in the Bible on there. There's so many. That was a really terrible joke, but I tried. Um, uh, anyway, we need to pray ceaselessly. I know that's a fun word. Pray ceaselessly. Be praying continuously. Uh, the apostles devoted themselves to prayer. 
They devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship. Uh, prayer is the last thing that's mentioned. And I think, I honestly, to me, I think this is one of the most important things. We need to be in communication with God. He's in communication with us, right? So we need to be in communication with him as well. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Uh, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. This is the will of God. Don't go against the will of God. It won't work out. I promise. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Pray without ceasing. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Uh, this is a good one because I know that a lot, of, uh, a lot of us struggle with some anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, in other words, don't worry about it. Pray, and God will take care of it. He's God. He's better at it than we are. We're going to get it wrong. He's not. <clears throat> we need to pray continuously. We need to bring our requests to God. God promises us that he hears us. God also answers us. Now, we're not going to get into the whole how he answers us. Just know sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's a not yet. But also, no matter what the answer is, God knows best. So don't argue with him. <clears throat> uh, God is faithful, as we mentioned earlier. He's never going to let a promise go unfulfilled. You want to do a really cool study? Read all of the Old Testament prophecies that come true in the New Testament. It is nuts. I, I mean, I was talking with, this is one of the conversations I was talking about earlier. I was having a conversation with, uh, with Jared about how in the book of Daniel, Alexander the Great is prophesied about. And then Alexander the Great comes into Jerusalem. It's a long story, but he essentially had a dream that he'd see a priest. The priest had a dream that he'd see this conqueror. They talk about each other. The priest shows Alexander himself in a prophecy from 500 years earlier, and Jerusalem is one of the only cities in his entire conquest that he didn't destroy because he understood that this God is real. How can you not hear that kind of thing and just kind of get goosebumps? It's so cool. Uh, and again, we wouldn't know that if we don't spend time in the Word. We need to know the Word. <clears throat> So answers to prayers. One of the biggest ways that he answers your prayers is by communicating with you through reading the Bible. It's a really important thing to be in the Word. The last point that I want to make today is uh, when you pray, God is faithful to answer. Uh, I'm sure that we... I, I, Guys, there are like 150 people in here. I'm sure you all have an example of how you've had an answered prayer in your life. Am I right? Everybody here, you've all prayed and you've all had an answer. We've got miracles we can point to all day. Uh, John 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me, again, did you read that? If you abide in me. You have to read it. You have to understand what it's saying. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So not only do you have to abide with God, you have to abide in his word. You have to abide in his word, and it will be done for you. 
Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Both of these passages are, passages are clearly telling us that if we ask God in prayer, he'll answer it. There are situations when it feels like our prayers aren't being answered. How many times did you pray and nothing happens, and then like 15 years later, the prayer is answered? Uh, my perspective is a couple different reasons for that. Either A, you weren't ready for it, and God knew when you would be ready for it, or B, the answer's on the way. Um, this is one of, one of the absolute coolest passages in the Bible for me. Uh, it really helped Sky and I when we were going through this situation with Owen, where he, he's been... He's battled epilepsy for, I mean, technically he still has it, right? Is that how this works? No? Okay. My mom's a nurse. She said, eh. So, eh. Uh, he had epilepsy from the time he was 18 months old till three years ago or so. Now, maybe. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. And I don't play one on TV. Um, but I was actually teaching a youth group when I was the interim youth director. And it was a whole lesson, some of you might remember it, it was a whole lesson on prayer and how, uh, how to pray and how to look for answers to prayer. And we came across this passage in Daniel. I know I'm going to the Old Testament. Uh, Daniel 10, 12. So the, the whole background of this is uh, obviously something bad happened in Israel. Shocker. It happens all the time uh, because they weren't obeying God once again. Daniel's fasting. He's fasted for like two weeks. He's been praying. He's humbled himself before the Lord. Uh, and then he finally gets an answer. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. And I come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is going to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is days or is four days yet to come. Uh, essentially saying, God heard his prayer. God sent someone to bring him the answer. And Satan got in the way. The answer's on the way. It's an important enough matter that... Uh, so you guys, it's in mirroring, so you don't know what I'm circling here, but... Um, Prince of the kingdom of Persia, those are, those, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, please. Uh, those are demons, right? That would be Satan and his little minion people. Okay. And then one of the chief princes would be Michael, one of the angels of God. He came to help battle, and the answer finally got through. What that tells me is that sometimes answers are um, delayed by demonic activity. So continue praying. Pray ceaselessly. Pray without ceasing. <clears throat> the important thing is that the prayer is on its way. Satan didn't want the answer to come. Uh, if, if it came instantly, if skies in my prayer, and all of you guys, because everybody was praying for this kid, uh, had I not had three, four years of praying, um, my relationship with my wife wouldn't be anywhere near where it is right now. My relationship with God wouldn't be where it is right now. And I, I absolutely promise you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I wouldn't be standing right. I, I mean, I'd probably be alive, but I wouldn't be up here right now if it weren't for God 
delaying my answer. Because if it happened like that, now I don't have the experience of praying, of spending time in his word, of growing closer with God. And I promise you I wouldn't be here today. <clears throat> so in conclusion, we need to be in the word. Oh, sorry, it's up there. That's worded better. Uh, we need to be devoted to strong biblical teaching. We need to be devoted to Christian fellowship. We need to be devoted to fellowship with Christ, and we need to be devoted to prayer. Now, before I end, uh, go, ahead and, go ahead and take a look at, I want to say it's verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. There it is. Because there's really important detail in this that happened. Most of you already know this. So, uh, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And then there's a lot of other really important details in there that was going on in the early church. And then verse 47, praising God and having favor. That's another really important one. I probably should have done a slide on that. Uh, praise God. Worship God. You, don't, you didn't have to wake up this morning, and you did. That's because God said, yeah, you can wake up this morning. So praise God. Uh, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So my, my, the way my brain works, I see a cause and I see an effect. The cause is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers, and the effect is the Lord numbered or added to their numbers day by day. If we don't do the things that God tells us to do that the early church was doing, again, the growth in the early church in the book of Acts is insane. You don't see 3,000 people like that. Uh, but we do here. And shortly after, there's another spot here coming up where uh, I cheated. We're teaching this for uh, Sunday school right now for youth group, so I've already done all this. Uh, there's a spot coming up in like a chapter or two where another 5,000 people get added. Why? Because of these things that the church is doing. They are devoting themselves to teaching. They are in the Word of God. They're understanding what the Bible has to say. They're breaking bread. They're spending time in fellowship with Christ. They're spending time in fellowship with each other as a church family. Uh, and they're, de they're devoted to prayer. These are the things that we need to do if we... I'm not saying numbers-wise. If you want to see growth in the church across the globe, these are the things. This is where to start, the book of Acts. And I think it's awesome that this is one of the first things that Brad taught us when he got here. Um, and we're, I think we're doing pretty well. So uh, keep it up. Be in the Word. Pray. Spend time with each other. All right, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Again, thank you for uh, um, being with us today. Thank you for um, giving us these truths. Thank you for putting it all down in writing so that we had something uh, to hang our coats on, God. I pray that each and every one of us here this morning would, would be more devoted to spending time with you, whether in prayer, in communion, or in reading your word, God. I just pray that each one of us would leave today with a newfound desire to learn and to understand the truths that you've provided with us in the Bible. Another thing, Lord, I, I pray that we would be more devoted to each other in a way that we've never done before. I pray that we would uh, encourage each other, love one another, spend time with each other in fellowship. <clears throat> Lord, I also pray that as we leave here today, we're safe. We, we come back together uh, next week. 
we go out into the world and be a light for you. We don't just keep these things to ourselves, but we would, we would have a hunger to share them with everybody we run across in our everyday ministries, in our everyday lives. So bless us as we leave here today. I ask these things in your son's name.